Let's go, folks. Time for the Gibby Show. Hey, doing baseball fans? Welcome to another edition of the Gibby Show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of Major League Baseball and the Gibby Show. I'm John Arezzi. He's back from a weekend in Toronto where he appeared at the Sports Card Expo and also a charity event. He's the former two-time manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, a member of the 1986 world champion New York Mets, the co-author of the best-selling book, Gibby Tales of a Baseball Lifer, and narrator of the audio book as well. He is the namesake of this podcast, a true baseball lifer, John Gibbons. Gibby, how you doing? Johnny, good, doing good, man. Yeah, made a quick trip up there to Toronto, and gosh, I love that place. What a, what a great, you know, had a, had a good time. Saw some old friends, signed a few autographs, you know. Uh, now I'm back home, back home. But it was a, it was a good weekend. You met a lot of the fans at the Sports Card Expo, and then you had a really special event, a smaller event on Sunday. So you had a really good weekend up there. Yes, I did. You know, Dave Bedini, an old friend of mine, another musician. That uh, and he's he's got this little newspaper shop in on the west west end of uh, Toronto up there. Went up there and it was a little question and answer and and uh, yeah, it was a good time. Very very cool. I uh, got a question for you right off the top here. Um, how big of a Rush fan are you? Me, I'm like everybody else, brother. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out today. We'll find out later. No, I'm actually I'm a huge Rush fan. You know, like. Uh, you know, be, they're be a Canadian band, but they're so big down in South Texas. But you know, they're big everywhere, big all over oh, the yeah. world, right? But I can remember in high school, uh, you know, we everybody listened to that. You know, when I first heard them, it was like, hey, you know, this is it's it was a heavy charge and pound pounded band, um, and there was only three of them, right? Uh, yeah. But I can remember uh, where I really my fir first uh, found out about them and started listening to them was a high school buddy of mine, one of my best friends growing up. You know, I don't know. I never. It was Christmas time, and I, for some reason, we exchanged gifts. I don't know. I've never done that with a, a friend of mine. You know, only family stuff. And I can remember we said, "Well, let's get each other an album or something, right?" And so I got him a Judas Priest album. I don't remember which which one it was, but and uh, he gave me a Rush album, a Farewell to Kings. You know, that's 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 um, that's, that's and that's kind of where it all started. And then, but then you know the, uh, uh, you know, there's just something about Texas loved him. You know, like all uh, like most people do. Like everybody did in college. Uh, I, I'm a little older than you. And uh, when I was in college, that was kind of like we discovered Rush and it was just phenomenal. And what a what a storied history that band has. And the reason I'm talking about all of this, Gibby, is that today on the show, uh, Getty Lee is going to join us for Gabbing with Gibby. And it's going to be such an incredible segment. We just can't wait for it. So we have a we have something really cool to look forward to in just a little bit when Getty Lee joins us today. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah, you, you know, you know, Getty's a huge Toronto Blue Jays fan, a huge baseball yes. fan in general. You know, and, and uh, I got to I got to I got to meet him when I came back my second time going into the 2013 season. They they came through San Antonio and played at the end of I think it was November or something in 2012. Um, and so the Blue Jays through the PR guy got some tickets, and I went down here and saw him in San Antonio. And uh, and then after the show, I got to go backstage, brought my family to meet him, right? And he uh, all he wanted to do was talk baseball, man. And he was he's dropping stats on me and all that. I'm going, damn, I can't. I better watch what I say to this guy because he's uh, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to fool him, you know. But he was so into baseball, he just, he studied. He was a huge fan, and he you know he goes to a lot of Blue Jays games and uh. uh you know, he's one of the good guys. He's a normal guy. You know, that's that's what really yeah. makes him so unique. You know, 
he's uh, as successful as they've been, and he's been the lead guy in that that band. That, uh, but he's a normal guy, man. That likes the, a lot of the normal things we like. That's exactly right. And and his uh, you know his baseball passion and uh, the fact that he goes to the Blue Jays games and he scores all the games and his incredible collection of baseball memorabilia, which there's going to be an auction yeah. December 6th at Christie's. And uh, I just can't believe what he's accumulated. So we're going to look forward to that interview. It's going to be coming up on Gabbing with Gibby. Uh, but we also have uh, latest Blue Jays news and rumors to discuss. Baseball managers, musical chairs are being filled with some surprising choices. Uh, we'll go over it all here. And then inspired by our friends over at Miller Lite, we're going to have another roast and toast. Uh, but Gibby, let's get right to the leadoff. Uh, the Blue Jays are in the process, obviously, of putting together their wish list for 2024 uh, with the free agency class now, uh, established now. The baseball winter meetings less than a month away. The Jays are making news with some uh, news, uh, an associate manager hire, which we're going to discuss. And there's some trade rumors that are raising some eyebrows. Uh, first, let's talk about uh, the announcement the Jays made on the hiring of DeMarlo Hale as the club's associate manager under John Schneider. Hale rejoins the Blue Jays for his 22nd season on a major league coaching staff. He spent the last three seasons as the bench coach for the Guardians. He served as the Blue Jays bench coach from 2013 to 2018, uh, helping you lead that team uh, to the AL uh, postseason. Uh, he comes with nine years of managerial experience and five years of playing experience in the minor leagues. Gibby, what do you think of Hale rejoining the Blue Jays? He's a guy, obviously, you're very familiar with. Best move they'll make all season right here. It's, it, you know what? When I saw that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I thought, you know what? What a what a great move right there. Right? You know, um, number one, you're not going to find a better guy than tomorrow. Hale. You know, we 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 worked together in the, in the minor leagues down in the Hawaiian Winter League. And I don't know if I real quick story that we were roommates down there. Right? He was the manager. Oh. I was I was the his coach. But we lived together in this condo in the Hawaiian Winter League. We're down there for two. To, uh, we, we came from this. I think we were both. Yeah, we were both in the Florida State League at the time. Anyway, so we kind of made a pact that hey, one of us gets a big league manager job, the other take the other one over there as a coach, right? And then of course he had been in the big leagues with the Red Sox, and and uh, uh, but when I came back a second go around, we said we got to get Demarlo over here, right? So uh, and but but more, he's such a good baseball guy. The players love you. Never hear this is one of those guys you never hear a bad thing about him, right? And he, he's all reliable. Um, when I saw that, I don't know what that, I got to find out though. What the heck's associate man, manager? Is that like a assistant manager, a vice president? I never heard that term before. <laughs> I was going to ask you about it. What is an associate manager? What does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it sounds smarter than a bench coach, you know? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but doesn't that then get Mattingly upset? Because now he's gotten new responsibilities as well. So isn't it kind of like the Jays are having two bench coaches right now? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? It's got to be good to be Schneider, man. Now you don't have to do anything, man. Just turn, let's turn these boys <laughs> over. Just make occasional walk to the mound, you know? No, you know what? It's a it's a really good coaching staff they have there, you know? Yeah. And, of course, you can't leave out Pete Walker. Of course not. Business. You know, uh, yeah, they're they're in good hands. But I thought that was a tremendous move. And, and um, you know, I think it'll, it'll help everything out. 
Very cool. Uh, they also announced the hiring of a third base coach, bringing in Carlos Fables, who coached for 17 years in the Red Sox organization. Lots of experience there. He's going to replace uh, Luis Rivera, who retired after this season. Uh, Gibby, uh, anything you could tell us about or Carlos? Uh, is this a good move for Toronto, bringing a guy with this much experience in uh, to be at uh, the third base line and third base coach? Yeah, it's got it's got to be. You know, um, you know, he did it for a lot of years in Boston. Tough place to do it. I can remember because Demarlo was Boston's third base coach a few years, right? And we used to talk and laugh, and he said how tough it was because. Yeah, they're ruthless, man. They, they 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 hammer their own coaches there, man, in Boston. So so this guy's he's uh he may be a little worn out. He's probably relieved. He's going to more some more finally to some sanity. Uh, but with that kind of experience, you know, obviously he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So it seems like the Jays now have really kind of completed this uh their their changes on the coaching front. Uh, so you got to basically, in your opinion, John, the the right moves were made with retooling the coaching staff and giving yeah. Mattingly new responsibilities. Yeah, I guess Donnie will take a little more of that hitting stuff because that's the one area they took all the heat, you know. Um, uh, and so, you know, the uh, you know, I think the fan the fans expected some, you know. Uh, but hey, you know what? Bottom line is, the coach's job is to prepare these guys, and they got to go out and do do the job. You know, that's a, and we can't lose sight that, you know, they've been the postseason three out of four years. I think it is now, but they're just looking to get over the hump. Um, but you're not, you're not going to find a better coaching staff. That's for sure. And I, I think the fact that Maddie Lee probably going to take a little more active role in the offensive side of it is really, really important. And of course, Donnie baseball was uh, what a prolific hitter he was. So we look forward to all of these coaches coming together and uh, seeing what the team is going to look like next year. So we're going to go into a couple of those eyebrow raising trade rumors that have been circulating over the last several days uh, with the GM meetings uh, taking place out West. Uh, the St. Louis dispatches Derek Good reported that the Cardinals are looking for pitching and have zeroed in on one possible candidate and that's Alec Manoa. Uh, the Cardinals have been fielding trade calls on outfielder Dylan Carlson, and the Blue Jays have been one of those teams expressing serious interest in Carlson. Uh, the 25-year-old switch hitter appeared in only 76 games, however, last year in 2023 due to an ankle issue, uh, which ultimately required some post uh, some uh, season-ending surgery. He hit only 219 last season with uh, five home runs. Uh, Carlson was a former top prospect for the Cardinals. Uh, he is under team control for the next uh, uh, two year, three years, actually. And he goes for his first uh, round of arbitration uh, this winter. So the Jays and Cardinals, they also have that recent history uh, completing three separate deals in 2023 uh, with Cabrera, Jordan Hicks, and Paul DeYoung deals. Uh, Ross Atkins uh, said at the GM meetings that Manoa has been working hard and expect him, expects him to have a leg up for that fifth slot in the rotation. So there's a lot swirling around here with this rumor, Gibby. Do you think moving Man Manoa after a down season is the right thing for the Jays to explore? And does this potential trade Manoa for Carlson make any sense for you? Would you rather see Manoa like, let's see what we got in spring training? Yeah, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm a big Manoa fan in, in, you know, like most people are, right? And mm -hmm. you look at what, you look what he did two years ago. You know, he, he was the ace of the staff or the, the so-called ace, right? They, in the pitch in the playoffs. 
it was really their their workhorse, uh, the up young up and coming uh, superstar tag. And then he went through his struggles for whatever reason, you know. And I don't know if what's behind the scenes. If there's some, there've been some disagreements, some bad blood. Who who knows, right? But now, if he had just been average Joe, let's say, you know, like a run of the mill pitcher, you know, when he was good, might might be a little differently. But me personally, the guy that was that good, you know, I got I got to find out what I got because you know, good started pitching so hard to come by. And I know the Blue Jays are, you know, the. Uh, looking for more offense possibly. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, I, I pitching pitching's going to win it, man, for you in the long run. You got to have that. And I'd hate to take a chance to lose this guy. Even though he, I, I wouldn't even limit him by saying he's got a shot at the, being leg up on the fifth fifth spot. Wow. That was I mean, surprising. He was, he, was, he was number one not too long ago. He was. You know, you know keep, keep don't, don't put any limitations on the kid. And, uh, uh, but like I said, n- nobody but – you know, the guys in, in the organization on the team know if there's any animosity or there's, you know, things, things went sour because I mean, that happens in sports all the time. It's oh, not it like it's, you know, you can't, it, it, it's nothing personal. It's nothing against any one organization over another. If that's the case, they, you know, maybe smart to move them. If it's, if there's some um, conflict there. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get your, your welcome is worn out for whatever the reason is, but uh, it just seems like this is not even kind of a lateral move, uh, but we'll see how it, how it unfolds uh, over the course of the off season. Um, uh, Follow up for you, Gibby is uh, Toronto's top prospect, uh, 21 year old Ricky Tideman, who is also the 31st highest ranking prospect in the entire major leagues. He just won the Arizona Fall League's AFL Pitcher of the Year, so we congratulate him. He's only 21 years old. Uh, he went two, uh, two and one with a 2.50 ERA, 23 to eight strikeout to walk ratio uh, across four starts in the Arizona uh, League, uh, holding opposing hitters to only one home run in 18 innings. Uh, what is the uh, uh, what do you think about uh, Ricky? Uh, especially if Manoa goes, would he be plugged into the fifth starting role? Or do you think based on his history that he really needs a, a good solid year in Buffalo at AAA? Well, you know, Johnny, he's, I mean, he's their, he's their top dog coming up, you know, not, not just for the Blue Jays, but in, in all of baseball, you know, I, I would, I would expect they're going to be a little cautious with him because, uh, you know, he had, he had an arm issue last year, right? So he's limited in the number of innings he can pitch. And I can't forget, too, that Manoa, a couple of years ago, or when he, he made like a, a jump, a 100-inning jump uh, that year that he was so good in the playoff. And there's always, you know, the common sense tells you it doesn't mean to happen that, that maybe that led to some of his problems, you know, that he's had recently. Um, so that being the case, you know, they got to make sure this guy gets plenty of innings before he gets here because it's a different game in the big leagues. You know, it's not like uh, there's times the, the guys that come up from minor leagues are called on to do more, more things, right? Under, under pressure where they hit well, if you, but if you never give them the chance in the minor leagues to do that, they don't have enough innings. It's it, you're pushing them and that's when some problems can happen, but you know, he's going to be a real good one, but I would guess they'd be cautious of with him. Um, so I would, I would think they would take their time. And that'd probably be a smart thing to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Twenty-one years old, uh, Southpaw. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be great to watch him develop and eventually make the uh, major league team. Uh, 
another rumor circulating over the past several days, and this one also comes out of the GM meetings. Uh, it involves the Los Angeles Dodgers and Blue Jays all-star shortstop Bo Bichette. Uh, Juan Toribo of MLB.com reports that the Dodgers GM Brandon Gomes is said to have his eye on two potential shortstops, and it stems from the uncertainty of shortstop Gavin Lux, who is continuing to recover from a torn ACL and LCL, as well as right hamstring tear. Uh, if healthy, Lux could be the starting shortstop in 2024. However, the Dodgers are continuing to monitor a trade market uh, that involved Milwaukee's Willie Adams, Toronto's Bichette, uh, giving consideration of the huge haul that Jays would demand for a Bichette trade to the Dodgers. If you're Ross Atkins, do you consider this, especially with how popular Bo is with the Toronto fan base in the city, do you think it it's based in any type of reality or would Toronto fans go crazy if they trade Bichette to the Dodgers? Yeah. You know what? There's gotta be something there to, to, to you know, to, to bring it up anyway. Um, but there's, there's so many, I mean, everybody throws everything up against the wall and hope something sticks, you know, and the, uh, there's this a lot of times there's rumors and there's really nothing to it. Maybe somebody threw some names around and somebody's okay, whatever. But I mean, it, it would make perfect sense for the uh, Dodgers if they could get a you know Bo Bo's a Hollywood looking dude anyway, you know. Uh, he he is, you know. But the uh, I would be surprised, especially when the Blue Jays are looking for their, you know, their their you know the the big question marks is where's their extra offense they needed this year. Right. And Bo was a big, big part of that. So you take that away. Yeah. They would have, they would, they would have to get a pretty good return on that. Who knows though. It's coming to, not too far off that where you got to sign him and um, Vladdy jr. To long-term deals. And uh, maybe the question is, can you, can you afford to pay both of those? And, and the, you know, uh, there's so much that goes into constructing a, a major league baseball team. And it's not just all the, you know, the, the talent level and you're putting the best team there you know there's there's contract considerations there's uh there's a lot of things sometimes sometimes there's some tension um it's been in baseball forever player doesn't like it here they they don't agree with the front office or they feel they feel slighted it's just that's just part of it in every sport you know and so some guys are dealt that way they think they're you know you and i were talking about that uh, kevin mitchell when he's with the mets they, everybody thought uh, the front office thought that he was he was causing the problems with uh, Gooden and Strawberry, which you know uh, Kev grew up on the rough streets, but he wasn't he wasn't the problem. You know we no. we, we we you know as individuals we bring on most of our problems ourselves. But I think so they traded Kev and Kev went on to win the MVP that there in San Francisco. So yes. sometimes sometimes you do need to move guys because they're problem childs and it makes the team better. But uh, it's not always the case, and uh, but it does happen. So. Yeah, and sometimes the teams make wrong decisions by getting rid of somebody that actually they shouldn't have. So we've yeah, seen it but all. It's, but you know, we've got to keep in mind too. I mean, it's never easy to run a team and, and no. place things, and because you can't have everything you always want. I mean, there is limitations, and in, in um, but that's why some guys do it better than others. That is yeah. true. You are listening to the Gibby Show presented by our friends at Miller Light, and uh, as we do each and every week, John, we talk about that light beer that tastes like a real beer. It's so Anytime is Miller time. And and now that holidays are approaching, it's uh, it, it's always good to be able to bring some wonderful Miller light to your parties or your family get togethers, because uh, 
there's nothing like a Miller Lite, man. Hey, well, maybe we have to uh, pop one to salute uh, Getty today. You never know. Yes. Not yes. a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. Corner booths, sticky floors, weekdays that feel like weekends. You never forget the way some things taste. Miller Lite, great taste, 90 calories. Tastes like Miller time. Miller Lite, so happy to be associated with them. The other official beer of Major League Baseball and, of course, right here at the Gibby Show. Uh, Gibby, uh, as a uh, former Major League manager, been there. Uh, there's been a lot of musical chairs going around over the last couple of weeks. I mean, the last time that we got together and did the show, uh, these moves were not made. And now in the course of a week, you got, you know, there were six managerial openings. There are only two or even maybe one left after Ken Rosenthal broke some news about the Milwaukee uh, Brewers. Um, the biggest news is Craig Council. He passed on the New York Mets, which everyone thought he was going to. And then he passed on going back to Milwaukee. Instead, he goes to the rival Chicago Cubbies, signing a five-year, $40 million deal. And the Mets settle on Carlos Mendoza, the Yankees' longtime bench coach. But I want to get into uh, the council thing with you here. Uh, one of his objectives was to... Uh, increase the pay for managers across the board because there's always been this managers are underpaid. However, he goes to the rival 90 miles away from Milwaukee in Chicago. Now, what's your, what's your thoughts on this move that council made? Was it for the bigger picture to really uh, create awareness that managers need to be paid appropriately? Or was it just kind of like he made the decision based on, making the biggest amount of money and going to the right. Yeah, well, no, you know, from what I understand about accounts, you know, that's, he's that kind of guy, you know, he, he looks out for others and, and, uh, and hey, I tip my hat to him for that. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other, other teams are going to follow suit, you know, because it's, you know, uh, kind of a funny feeling in baseball. And I, I remember who said it a few years ago, uh, maybe it was back with Moneyball and all that was starting at the, the, uh, I'm not don't quote me. It's it's you know managers are really irrelevant. You know anybody can do it. They're not that important to a team and blah blah blah. Because and especially nowadays when you look at everything's run by uh, heavily by analytics, they think well we, we can get anybody uh, to put to plug in a number and, and move the guys around the field according to those numbers. I mean that's kind of the thinking is and uh, I mean it, it's perfect example is that where you see a lot of guys that are getting these jobs too that. They don't go and spend any time in the minor leagues to gain experience, you know. And it's like, well, that's that's kind of the mindset as well. It's anybody can do it, you know. Um, you take some monkey and put him in there, and and he'll figure it out. Give him the right numbers, right? That's kind of the, you know, that, that which it's unfortunate. So I tip I tip my hat to counsel because you know what he's uh, he's standing up for those guys and uh, uh, and being being an ex manager, you know, uh, if you look at all professional sports everybody's over overpaid anyway. You know, when you look at the, uh, you know, the reality in the real world, uh, but Hey, if you can get it, go for it. But the fact that he went to the, the main rival of the Milwaukee Brewers and he's a, he's a hometown kid. I think that's what shocked everybody. You know, yes. but that, that doesn't, that's nothing new for the Cubs. Cause remember they hired uh, Joe Madden a few years ago. They, they bounced uh, yeah. Rick Renteria and then uh, 
David Ross got it here. So yeah, the David Ross just got it. Boom. You know, he got taken out, didn't know what was going on. No one knew what was going on. So it was quite surprising. And our friend Kenny Rosenthal uh, uh, kind of broke that news last week. And he also broke some news about uh, the new manager from Milwaukee. Uh, Pat Murphy is expected to be named the new manager. Murph. Yeah, based on what Kenny Rosenthal says and, and reports on, uh, Murph, uh, Cray Council's former coach at Notre Dame and his bench coach in Milwaukee from 2015 to 23 will now become his rival in the NL Central. Yeah. So that's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Hey, Murph's a good guy. When I when I managed a double-A team for the Padres in the Texas League in my hometown here in 2012, was it? You know, Murph was out there coaching with the Padres as well. I got to know him a little bit. Funny guy, good guy. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah, he'll, he'll do great. Other other moves uh, that have been made, the it, kind of a no-brainer on the Astros with the retirement of Dusty Baker, uh, bench coach, longtime bench coach. Uh, Joe Espada gets that a shot finally so he'll be in the in the manager's uh seat over uh for Houston uh and uh in Cleveland uh, the uh the Guardians have hired Mariners bullpen and quality control coach Stephen Boat uh Here we and, go again quality control what the hell's calling I know control? I mean he was the bullpen coach and quality control coach so now he's got a gig as the manager uh in Cleveland and finally uh the Angels made uh, some news uh, because everyone was saying, you know, Buck Showalter has the inside track on that job. And lo and behold, the Angels signed 71-year-old Ron Washington from the Braves to be their next skipper. And he's the now the oldest manager in the game. Washington has not managed for 14 years, Gibby, leading uh, the Rangers to back-to-back World Series appearances 2010 and 11. He gets a two-year deal. So uh, that's kind of a surprise, and that's kind of cool that Ron Washington is coming back to manage uh, the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, Washington's a good one. Raw, we call him Raw. He, you know, I coached with him. He was my manager, and I was his assistant coach in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, it was Columbia. In uh, was that '94, maybe? And the mo- probably the most fun, entertaining year I've ever had in my life. He's he's a good guy. One of the be- the best infield instructors around you know he he hasn't been managing in a while but he's been he's been on the field you know and oh yeah uh, just uh hey I, i'm happy for it you know i you mentioned show walter i think show walter would have been uh perry maniason's pick you know out there the general manager but the out there the owner's calling all the shots and yeah. you probably want to watch even though there is a connection with maniason and uh so yeah hey, good for good for wash man yeah hey, hey, got- plus he's bringing in ryan goins Old Blue Jay uh, infielder to be his infield instructor because they knew each other cool. through Atlanta when Go Go was playing there. So another guy we're happy for. Yeah, absolutely. There's only one uh, remaining job open uh, currently, and that's with uh, San Diego. So we'll wait to see uh, who eventually gets in that chair. Um, and that's going to wrap up the leadoff, Gibby. Now it's time for Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons. Rock on. Than- Rock on is exactly right. For more than 25 years, Tim Horton's guests have come to know and love Tim Horton's annual Smile Cookie Campaign, now to celebrate the gift of kindness and to help make a difference this holiday season. Tim Horton's is launching its first ever national holiday Smile Cookie Campaign. Right now, November 13th to the 19th, 100% of the proceeds from each holiday Smile Cookie sold will be donated directly to local charities, and community groups across Canada, including Tim Horton's Foundation Camps. 
the Tim Hortons Holiday Smile Cookie has a base of white chocolate, sugar cookie infused with red and green sprinkles, all while being adorned with white icing to form the iconic Smile Cookie Smile. And the campaign has been created to give guests an opportunity to give back this holiday season and help continue making a difference in their communities. Yeah, you know, hey, nobody does it better than Tim Hortons as far as work in the community and donating. And um, yeah, it's 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 definitely it's very admirable, you know. And uh, so get out there, buy some cookies. It's only a buck fifty. It's only yeah, it less so than it is. Like less than less than a toonie. And uh, help support your uh, communities all across Canada. Yeah. One thing about Tim's, they're always uh, community minded, always. Yes. And some of the initiatives that they do is just incredible. And uh, I think it's uh, as you do. This is a great. That's good food, though. Good food and good coffee, good drinks. So Absolutely. You got to have that no matter what. Today on Gabbing with Gibby, brought to you by Tim Hortons, we are thrilled to bring on a true legend in the world of music and one of the most passionate Canadian baseball fans ever. He's a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Along with his bandmates, they've sold a staggering 40 million albums. His collection of vintage wines, bass guitars, and baseball memorabilia are well known as well. He is best known as the lead vocalist, bassist, and keyboardist for one of the most successful and beloved bands in rock and roll history, Rush. His new book, My Effin' Life, was released today, along with an audio book, which includes two brand new songs. Close to 300 items will be auctioned on December 6th at Christie's for many historic items from his huge collection, billed as selections from the collection of Getty Lee. And a new docuseries will also be released on Paramount Plus called Getty Lee Ass, Our Bass Players, Humans 2. That comes out December 5th. He launched his book tour last night at the historic Beacon Theater in New York City, hosted by Paul Rudd. We might have to change the name of this segment to Gabbing with Getty. <laughs> yeah, it's our like honor. It. It's our honor to bring on Getty Lee of Rush to today's show. Uh, Getty, you're one busy guy. Thanks for making the time to be with us today. Welcome to Gabbing with Gibby. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Just listening to your introductions made me very tired. I, I think. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, obviously, Getty, you, we need we needed a uh, ratings boost, man. That's why we tried so hard to get. <laughs> Hey, Gibby, I'm always happy to talk to you wherever we are, whether it's at lunch or, or on Zoom. It's been my pleasure, honestly. Yeah. Getty, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to meet you, you know, when I was managing there in Toronto. And, uh, you know, you guys were, were you guys huge all over the world, your band Rush, and really big down here in South Texas. So I, so I knew your music. And then, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet you up there and, and I got to learn how what a great baseball fan you were, particularly the Blue Jays. And it's it's like, you know, the best thing about it, you know, you, he's a normal guy. You know, you're back there. You're back there scoring the game. I can't even score a game. You're back there. doing So, so we can't thank you enough for coming on here. Oh, it's it's just my pleasure. You know, anytime we get to talk ball, especially with you, is always fun. I, I still uh, share some quotes you you've imparted on me uh over the years with my other baseball nuts and they're always uh they're all they're always winners i gotta tell you they're they're scratching their head going (laughs) (laughs) well you got it started again last night you're back on the road you 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 did your it was your first show correct yeah first show in new york yeah very first 
really the first time I've ever done a proper book tour like this. In in 2019, I did a tour of for my first book, The Big Beautiful Book of Bass. Uh, but it was, you know, signing events and smaller venue chats we did. But this is more of a kind of big, a larger scale thing. So uh, it was quite an interesting evening and uh, the crowd was unbelievably rousing and they were throwing a lot of love at me, which I certainly appreciated. And my guest host for the evening, Paul Rudd, was just as affable and as lovable as you would imagine him to be. He's just a really great guy, generous man. And so we had a lot of fun and told a lot of stories about my my effing life. <laughs> Hey, I don't think you could you could find a better title that you came up with that, huh? Yeah, not for me. <laughs> I tried to call it my life in comedy, but the publisher thought that was a bit obscure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now, now you're in Philly tonight, right? Is that right? Uh, tomorrow night in Philly, yeah. Tomorrow night in Philly, and then you make... Yeah, and then we're on to D.C., Washington, D.C., and then Boston and Cleveland, and uh, then uh, heading to Canada, Montreal, Vancouver, and down the West Coast. Yeah, you were you were saying early when you walked on stage last night, you felt a little naked, huh? You didn't have yeah. you didn't have your boys with you. That's right. It was the first, really, the first time I walked onto that kind of a stage without at least my buddy Al beside me, you know. And we've been friends since we were sixteen years old, so uh, and playing together since that time, with the exception of the past few years. But uh, I made sure I scattered pictures of him around the set you know so that every once in a while if i needed a little boost a little love from my man i could just look behind and see him in some ridiculous outfit uh, just to make him smile so, so he was with me in spirit uh, but in reality he was up on the golf course somewhere maybe or probably <laughs> where's al golfing golfing he's that's right he's on the 19th hole right now yeah he loves it johnny what do you got for him uh, there's so much uh, here, but uh, I wanted to start on the baseball stuff with uh, when did your love for baseball begin? Well, when I was a kid um, in Toronto, we were kind of an American League city. You know, when we uh, we got the games a Saturday. Remember when games used to be on early Saturday afternoon? Yes. Yeah. Kids could watch them. Game um, of the week. Yeah, game of the week. And we got a lot of Tigers, Yankees games. And so, uh, you know, I sort of became enamored at that age with the game. And my heroes were guys like Al Kaline, Norm Cash, and and Mickey Mantle, of course, Roger Maris in that great year. And, and you know, Whitey Ford, uh, great names from that era. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I tried out for uh, my local ball team. Didn't make it because I really wasn't very sporty. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved the game. Uh, and um, I would go down once in a while to see the Toronto Maple Leaf Ball Club. Uh, they had a stadium downtown near the, uh, the lakeshore, near the old Tip Top Taylors building in Toronto. Okay. They were a farm club of um, of the Tigers. And uh, in fact, Sparky Anderson played on that team at that time. Oh. Yeah. So, um so that was my sort of first love. And then, of course, I got into music, forgot all about baseball. And I had too much work to do woodshedding and trying to learn how to play bass as fast as I could. So, <laughs> uh, And it wasn't until the late 70s when I was, I'd be waking up after a 400-mile drive from one city to another after a gig 
I turn on the tube eating the scraps I could beg uh, room service to bring up to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, trying to get breakfast in a Holiday Inn at 2 o'clock. Uh, anyway, uh, and I started noticing that aside from One Life to Live and the other soap operas, <laughs> there was WGN showing the Cubbies. And that's Superstation TBS started showing the Braves. So Braves. I, you could see day games on TV. Day games. Those days, yeah. Lost art. Yeah. So I started watching them and I got the fever all over again. And it was great fun. And when I got home after that tour, I called up the Jays up front office and I, I bought two tickets, my season tickets, and I've kept them ever since. But uh, that's that's what oh. started it. And uh, hey, yeah, it, it gets stuff. into your blood. Go ahead, Gibby. No, good seats too, man. Perfect good seats. Did, did you always was, have those one those ones behind home plate? Well, that was uh, back in uh, Exhibition Stadium. Oh, that's okay. That's right. I okay. was I was over the dugout. I was behind the the visitors dugout uh, at that time, and then um, when they moved to the Rogers Center, of course, uh, Sky Dome, uh, they because I'd been there since '79, I guess it was. Uh, they uh, uh, offered me, you know, a better seat, which I took. And then when they built the In the Action, they offered me those seats, which, of course, I took because I love the idea of being behind the plate and watching the the break on the pitches yeah. and watching a pitcher set up a batter to me is the most fascinating aspect of the game. Hey, this this is what I don't think but, well, a lot of people understand, but you're, I mean, you're really into baseball. You know, I, I, when I, when I came back to manage the Blue Jays the second time, I think I got hired the end of 2012. And you guys were coming down, you were, you were going, you were touring, you had a show in San Antonio, Texas. So, so I, I contacted the Blue Jays and they got me some tickets, you know, and I brought my wife and a couple of my kids out to the show. I had a blast, right? And then, then, at, then they said, you can come out backstage after the show. So I went back there, I'm going, all right, I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk some music, man, even though I'm not, I can't, I'm not very musically inclined. And you were just, you were, yeah, you just wanted to talk baseball. And, and the things you were saying, I mean, that's a, this guy's into it, man. I better be on my toes here, man. If he's, you were, you were reeling off stats and things. I'm going, I'm going, damn. Yeah, I'm pretty nerdy about the game. And most of the friends I've met in, in the game that I've been fortunate enough to meet, they all complain about the same thing. They want to talk about music and I just want to grill them about baseball. So we have to do a trade off, you know. Yeah, that, that that's fair, man. But you know, that's kind of fun. the way it is. Guys that are in sports, they all want to be in a band, right? And that's then right. guys, that's yeah, exactly that's right. right. So many guys I've met in the game, they're all musicians. You know, R Randy Johnson's a drummer. Mark Langston plays guitar. These are two of my dearest friends still to the day. Uh, Warren Cromartie, who was the first ball player, really, I became friends with. He's a drummer, <clears throat> and he had his own studio, in fact, and he was really serious about trying to make music back then. And Bryn Smith, one of my dearest, oldest baseball pants. He's not a musician. He's a golfer. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, just a lovely guy. And so I've been lucky to meet so many really interesting players that have had long and impactful careers. And most of them have a great fondness for what I do. And it's like you say, Gibby, everybody wants to be everybody else. <laughs> I know. Does that mean we're never satisfied? We never yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So then how did you start to get into the collecting end of it with the, well, I was on the road and uh, I had a day off in Kansas city 
and I was walking past this shop. It was called The Legacy. And I looked in the window and they had uh, these pictures of presidents with signed documents and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I was intrigued. So I walked in the store and in one part of the store, they had photos, signed photos by uh, baseball players and a couple of signed baseballs. I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. And um, previous to that, let me backtrack a bit. Previous to that, I had a friend who worked for the Jays who used to give me a set of American League signed baseballs as a gift. He was a fan. And uh, so he would give me one every year, like about eight or nine baseballs signed by American League teams. I, I just kept them I, in a box. I didn't display them really. But when I walked into the shop, I saw this signed picture. It was signed by Satchel Page, And I thought, well, I knew who Satchel Page was. And I thought, wow, that's really a cool item. And there was another one that was a picture of the shot heard around the world, Bobby Thompson. And so I bought those two items. And I thought, well, these will be cool in my, my home studio or my office or something. And that was the end of it. But then it started working in my crazy collector's brain. Hey, maybe it'd be great to have a ball signed by Babe Ruth. Can you imagine that? And so Ooh. I called the owner of the store and I said, hey, can you find me a Babe Ruth? I mean, that must be the first question any collector <laughs> asks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so eventually he did find me uh, a signed Babe Ruth baseball, and that just set me off. And from then on, I had to learn everything about the game. I had to, I studied oh. the game. I read all kinds of fiction and, and nonfiction about the game. I poured over the baseball encyclopedia. I loved looking at the old nicknames that these ballplayers had. Yeah. And, early part of the 20th century there were three you know in the history of the game there were three ball players that all had the nickname death to flying things now that's a weird fact <laughs> so who are they <laughs> yeah one of them is a guy I played recently i can't remember the the name of the first guy but one of them is a is a guy who was not was a fairly recent player but Anyway, my point is that I just became fascinated and I looked at the study of baseball history very much as the study of American history. You know, they're really yeah. they really aligned. And so I got to understand more about the country I was spending so much time in touring through the lens of this baseball hobby. Introducing Tim's new holiday smile cookie. 100% of proceeds support local charities, community groups, and Tim's campers in your neighborhood. Buy a holiday smile cookie at Tim's to give back to your community. That's hey, that's awesome. Hey, I got to ask you though, did you ever see the movie Sandlot? I don't think I have. Actually. Oh, well, you got you got to watch this with your grandkids because okay. because when my kids were were young, we used to watch it. It's, it's one of the best shows. But the whole idea of the story, this, this group of kids, I'm not going to ruin the story, but they they hit a ball over this fence and this big old hit giant dog. So this guy has to go find a ball to use. And his, and his stepfather had a Babe Ruth autograph ball, so he took it off the off the shelf and they started playing with it. And then they figured out it was Babe Ruth. You gotta watch. You gotta okay, watch. Okay, I got. I'm gonna watch it for sure. Grandkid, it's called the Sandlot. You'll love it. I guarantee. Right. Great. I'm always looking for movies to watch with my grandson. That's so. That's great. It'll be perfect. What do you got, Johnny? Well, the, the historic collection that you have that's going up for auction at Christie's, I, I went through it. I read about it. 
but there was one item that I have to talk to you about. Uh, I'm a massive uh, Beatles fan. Uh, my first concert ever was seeing them at Chase Stadium. Right. I was a little kid. Uh, one item listed uh, in the upcoming Christie's auction uh, taking place December 6th. Almost gave me a heart attack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a huge Beatles collector uh, as as well. Uh, up I... for auction is a signed baseball of all four Beatles from Shea Stadium from August 15th. 1965 yep. and i do have a follow-up on this how did you get that piece uh and is it the only one of its kind that you know of um i've never seen another one uh so it may very well be the only one of its kind and i bought it i believe i bought it at auction uh uh, quite a few years ago and it was authenticated by this gentleman named Frank Kaiso. Yeah. Yeah. Who was, of course, the premier uh, expert on on Beatles signatures. And so I've just kept it for all, all these years and it came with a ticket. It came with a ticket from that concert. And, uh, you know, I, I have other things that are signed by uh, other bands like the Rolling Stones. I'm not selling the Rolling Stones ball for the simple reason that uh, it was shy one signature, uh, Bill Wyman. And because I've had the good fortune to meet and know Bill, I asked him if he would sign it and complete it. And when someone does you a favor like that, you can't turn around and sell it. So there's no way, no way. <laughs> I, I just can't part with that. But the Beatles ball um, I've had for many years, and I'm sure some other fan and lover of the game and Beatles will will appreciate it. So uh, it's time to set it free. Yeah, such a such a rare piece. Uh, had a hey, hey large... Johnny, though, I got something better than that. What is it? Getty gave me a side ball. A rush sign ball after they went into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Him and the boys, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Yeah, that's oh, a goodie. Man. That's that a is, real that's, goodie. That's a goodie. That's very historic. Uh, but I sold off my collection. I had a Ciazzo, uh, uh authenticated piece by all four. I had bought one initially that was fake, mm -hmm. which was like gave me more of an obsession to I got to get a real one. Uh, but there was something uh, when I sold the collection off in 2018, along with my Mets collection, the buyers of both of these items were very ecstatic. And it and it leads me to uh, ask you about a quote. Uh, and you were quoted as saying baseballs. No one owns them. They're like houses. You take care of them for a while and they move on to the next person, the next custodian. So. I'd like to know, uh, and I'd like to hear about your explanation about that philosophy to us, because I, you kind of feel the same way when you have this massive collection. You you want to know that it's going to the right person, the next custodian. That's right. Well, you know, um, I'm not getting younger. Um, I have a lot of things in in my life that have come into my possession that I feel very passionate about, uh, and. Uh, nothing goes on forever, you know, uh, and uh, I have so many baseballs. Honestly, I have, you know, in my original collection is close to 600. And so about half of that is now going for sale. So I have so many great memories that I can keep. That, uh, many of them I plan to pass on to my grandson. But these things, it was just really time 
to, to move them on. I haven't really paid attention to that collection in quite a few years because I've been busy collecting vintage bass guitars and I have over 350 of those. So uh, <laughs> there's just not enough room in my life for everything. And uh, so, yeah, so I, th I just thought it's time. You know, it's just time to move some of them on. And, and I feel really good about it. You know, it's tough to part with things, but mm -hmm. no lack of things to love. And they're just items, you know, you fall in love with them and you cherish them for a while. And okay, let someone else uh, uh, pick them up and take care of them. And hopefully they'll take good care of them and they'll survive, you know, through the generations. They will. Hey, Getty, before we let you go here, because we know you, you're a busy man, you're out on the road again, but we've got to ask you about the current Blue Jay team. Uh, what yeah. in the because because I've I've said this in, in half jokingly but I'm serious because I know your knowledge of the game. What do you what do you think about this team? What would you address this off season? Well, you know, um, when the management first changed, when ownership, uh, you know, hire, you know, let Alex go. Uh, you know my feelings about Alex on top and top. Right. I'm, I'm a little biased because might be too. Yeah, he's a friend, and I have incredible respect for him uh, and the way he went about running the Blue Jays. So they brought new people in, so that was hard for me to adapt to. But, you know, they started to impress me when they signed Springer, and they started making some moves, and they had a lot of great draft picks, and I thought they drafted pretty well, and they built an exciting team. And then that terrible game a year before last, when they lost the playoff game in spectacularly unpredictable fashion by uh, reliever after reliever giving up multiple hits and fluke plays in the outfield, like the crashing in the outfield and the ball yeah. drop and pulling the pitcher, I thought, way too early in the game when he still had great stuff. And um, I didn't really understand what, the panic was. And I think in that off season, they kind of panicked and overreacted to that game and changed the culture. You got rid of Guriel, got rid of Teo. Uh, when I understand trying to shore up defense, uh, but they really went from one extreme to another and they did build a fantastically good defensive team. There's no, no question about it. But I watched that team a lot this year, and I just felt that something was missing, and I couldn't figure out why. There was a lack of excitement. There was a lack of um, connection with the fans, in fact. And some of the losses were really tough, you know, one-run losses. or It was just a weird year. And so yeah. uh, what happened in the playoffs to me was how do you pull – Barrios, how, <laughs> yeah. how do you? I mean, I there's smarter guys about the game than me that are puzzled about that move, and uh, it just didn't make any sense to me. So, um, again, I think there was too much control from the above, and I know that uh, you know they they kind of threw John Schneider under the bus, which I did not think was very cool. At the same time, I didn't think. Uh, Schneider managed a good game that day. So that's just my opinion. So now it's very interesting to see. Uh, obviously, they have to address the lack of clutch hitting, the lack of power. I think they need 
a real power bat from the right side. And I yeah. think another power bat from the left side, you know, the, they were winning. They had their most success when they had un, ungodly power. And they, right. they've traded that for pitching and defense. Nothing wrong with the pitching. Amazing pitching staff. I give them that. They built incredible pitching and defensive team. But they forgot one thing. And, and I really think at the deadline, they did not do enough to shore up the hitting. I think had they brought a, a big bat in at the deadline, I think we might have seen a different result in the playoffs. But that's only – it's easy to say from my my chair here. No. Well, I mean, you, you watch enough games. But, you know, if you, if you look at all the Blue Jays teams over the history, the, the really good ones, you know, you go back into even the late 70s and then the, in the, or in the 90s when they won it, even a couple of our teams in 15 – they were power laden, man. And you, you guys have yeah. thumpers, and, and really, that's the name of the game nowadays. You know, you, if if you don't have that, because it's it's proven that home runs win. You know, they're guaranteed yeah. runs. And I mean, I'd like to see them go out and get Bellinger. I'd like to see yeah. them. Obviously, everyone would like to have Otani, but he's probably going to go to a, a bigger market team. Uh, but I'd like to see them get a guy like Jamer Candelario. I think he would be very useful. He's a good bat. He can play first base, third base. Um, there's some good hitters out there, uh, but they're going to have to pay for them. And uh, they they just can't mess about. I think if I'm the right. GM, I'm not messing about. I'm throwing some money. And they've got to throw some money at, at some guys that they want to keep long term as well. So. I well, they got the money. They got that. Money. They got the money. And, you know, people always say, but this guy's expensive. You know, other fans. I'm going, yeah, they got the money. It's not my money. I want them to spend their money. <laughs> exactly. Plus, they're raising their cable rates every every year. So, what? I mean, their money's going somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you got to hand it to them. They have done a good job rebuilding the farm system. Right. No question about it. And some of their moves have been very good. But they're just a brick shy of a load last year and they failed to pull the trigger at the trade deadline. And I think it cost them uh, going deeper into the playoffs. So this year, I hope they open up the purse strings and, and bring in some proven hitters. And they, as you know, give you more than anyone. You put another couple of big hitters in that lineup. It affects the way they got to pitch all oh, to yeah. hitters. Every hitter improves. Good hitting is contagious. I really right. do. Well, you know what that you know that city and that that country they deserve they deserve another championship. You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. You agree? <laughs> well, listen, we can't we can't thank you enough. Hey, Johnny, have, okay, to get tickets for, uh, for Getty Show along the road here, what what uh, where they, is a website they need to go? Oh, to? absolutely. Uh, yeah. So if you want to go check out the book tour, uh, go to rush.com forward slash Getty Lee. Also, that Christie's auction. Um, uh, 270 items uh just go to christies.com that auction takes place on december the 6th and uh the book is out the book is out today you can get it anywhere and the audiobook has two new songs so uh yeah it's been wonderful chatting chatting with you today hey getty really, really <laughs> hey i got it hey real quick i gotta tell you a funny story that uh you know it was about your 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 book on bass bass guitars right uh I got divorced in the in, in uh, a couple of years ago, right? And then I met I met this girl. It was it was on, I was on a dating app, right? I met I met this girl, and she and she she was a huge Rush fan, and she said she she had ordered the uh, 
she was in the mail the this the book on your book book on bass guitars and i said oh man i said i said listen you know i might be able to get that personalized for you and she's up there she and she thought I was so full of crap that I was, I was like, and she had no, she had no idea that she disappeared. I never heard from her again. I thought, I, I thought, man, get it, get it. I ruined your love life, Gibby. <laughs> but she got a great book anyway, just one sign. <laughs> All right. Careful who you tell that to then, I guess. Uh, that's right. Well, get it, again, we can't thank you enough, pal. You know, My hopefully friend. see you down the road, you know, and uh, best of luck. Yeah. Give me any time. Always happy to chat with you. Nice to meet you. And uh, I really appreciate uh, getting a chance to talk baseball with you guys. All my check best. Out, check out the sand lot with your grandson. I will. I will. All right. Absolutely. All right All thank right, you. All right. Thanks very much. Cheers. Take care of yourselves. Okay. That wraps up another Gabbing with Gibby. And Gibby, I mean, what can you say? I, I got cold chills because of that conversation with Getty. It was incredible. Makes you want to join a band, doesn't it? Heck yeah. I can still rock and roll. (laughs) And your voice isn't quite as high as Getty's. No, it's not. No, not at all. But that was was phenomenal. Uh, Now inspired by our friends at Miller Lite, it's time for this this week's Roast and Toast. Uh, The general manager's meeting took place uh, out on the West Coast at the Omni in San Diego, Uh, It's usually a three-day event where all the GMs get together and, you know, they start their conversations. They talk about policies in baseball, and that's where kind of trades begin to unfold. At least seeds are planted. Well, this year at the Omni, they had to cut short the uh, GM meetings because there was a stomach virus that ran rampant, and many Major League Baseball executives, they actually got sick. You know, full of whatever happened. Hey, if you don't want to be there, don't go for crying out. You don't have to use that excuse. Anyway. You know, the reporters stayed at a different hotel. They didn't stay at the Omni. And all the, none of the reporters got sick, but only the baseball executives at the Omni got sick with the stomach flu. So they canceled the last day of the GM meetings. So for this, we're just going to roast the Omni in San Diego <laughs> and the GM meetings and all of them for getting sick uh, out there. Hey, because a lot of them are a lot of them are BSers anyway. Hey, hey, exactly. Go, hey, we're, <laughs> they're all full of it, but not anymore, right? Everybody not anymore, exactly. <laughs> not anymore. So that's our uh, that's our roast, and the toast is really polar opposite of that, Gibby. There's no doubt that the biggest free agent of them all, perhaps in the history of Major League Baseball will also receive the biggest contract ever this offseason. Shohei Otani made news outside of that free agent discussion this week. Not all that long ago, Otani was a grade schooler in his native Japan, now with a new generation of Japanese children already looking up to him uh, for his on-field success. Otani is giving back to his home country. The free agent superstar announced that he will be donating youth gloves to every elementary school in Japan. 60,000 gloves are being distributed across 20,000 schools. And his quote was, I'm hoping the kids can spend their days happily with lots of energy through baseball. Otani said, I'll be looking forward to sharing the field one day with someone 
that grew up using this glove. So this week, no brainer, because of his generosity shown to him, uh, shown by him to his home country and all the kids there, we toast the one and only Shohei Otani. Wow, huh? that uh, you know, I've heard he's a he's a tremendous guy. You know, uh, obviously I don't know him, but to do something like that, I like to be the glove maker. He's getting all this, bro. That's the, they're the lucky ones, right? You know what? That so many so many good players out there do do some nice things, um, you know, for society and the communities and things like that. A lot of it, a lot of it goes in people don't even know about it, you know. But when you go when you go when you do something this big, you know, to, and of course he's he's Japanese to his fellow countrymen. You know, does it get any better than that? You know, that just tells you everything you know need to know about this guy. And yep. and uh, you know, it, it'd be good. I think. Hey, they, one thing they do over there, the the, the kids, man, is, is they're very well educated and they study. They can't wait to get those gloves. They get they get out, and toss the balls around, you know. And and yes. it, uh, I tell you, that's admirable. Yeah, that country uh, baseball is beloved as it is here in the United States. Yeah. So that was a that was a major gesture on his part. <clears throat> and everything you've heard about Shohei Otani is just there's nothing negative at all. So uh, oh. we wish him the best in this uh, free agency market, and who knows who's going to land him. But uh, we'll check it out and we'll follow it right here at the Gibby Show. Corner booths, sticky floors, weekdays that feel like weekends. You never forget the way some things taste. Miller Lite. Great taste. 90 calories. Tastes like Miller time. And Gibby, that's going to about wrap up uh, this edition. What a great show today uh, for John Gibbons. This is John Arezzi. We'll be back next week to talk more postseason baseball with you right here at the Gibby Show. Have a great week, everyone. Hey, remember, get out, get that book, get Getty's new book. My effing life. Enjoy it. Exactly. Exactly.